Cheers, Suns fans, and welcome to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined, as per usual, by my cohort in crime, Mr. Matthew Lissy. Matthew, how are you feeling knowing that the Suns are now 9-8 and eight after a 21-point drubbing of the Golden State Warriors? You were right, my friend. You called that one. <laughs> I did call it because you had to put it into perspective where the Warriors had traveled last night. Kelly Oubre had a great game last night. Chuck was even saying, why did the Suns trade Kelly Oubre? And uh, he had a bad night. They needed him. And the Suns just pulled out, dude. I'm so glad that our bench played so well in the fourth. But yeah, I got it right, man. I, I think everyone predicted them to win tonight, right? Oh, uh, not everybody. Did you? <laughs> no, I, I, I predicted the loss. And yeah. when we get to the Jam Session Predicts segment, as we look forward to the next game against Dallas on Saturday, we'll discuss that. But I will say that I am pleasantly surprised. It's it's nice to be wrong and have the Suns actually come out and win a game. It's fantastic to see behind you. You have the Suns win graphics going on your TV. Uh, long it's overdue. Long been a long time it's the three game winning or losing streak is now officially over and we can hopefully yeah. celebrate the beginning of a sun's winning streak after we defeat the warriors tonight so plenty to talk about as per usual on the sun's jam session podcast we thank everybody who's joining us live whether it be on facebook youtube or twitter if you are joining us on one of those platforms, please subscribe, please rate, please review. If you are somebody who prefers the audio version and you're listening on the Brightside Podcast Network, please rate, subscribe, and review there as well. And make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. We have plenty to talk about, plenty of things to dissect. It's going to be nice to talk about the Suns in a positive light tonight. So I actually have... A mystery beer here. Do you? What yeah, this, so what this is, this is from Huss Brewing, or my good friends at Huss. This is the Cactus Valley Amber. They only sell it on tap, but they gave me some samples. So I'm going to crack this bad boy open. Crack if you got them, drink them with open. me. Crack this bad boy open. And you know what? Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns, Jamsters. A nice win on a Thursday evening for the Phoenix Suns on the second game of a back-to-back. After losing kind of a heartbreaker against the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Phoenix Suns came out aggressive, came out with a faster pace, and decided ultimately in that fourth quarter with the second team unit to put a team away finally. Matthew, this is only the second game of the season that we comfortably got to watch the final five minutes. What were your thoughts initially on the performance of the Phoenix Suns against the Oklahoma or the uh, the Golden State Warriors? <laughs> Too many games, man. You get them all mixed up. Yes, sir. I did the same. You know, it seemed like last night's game a little bit. You know, you were kind of worried. You got DeAndre Ayton coming out, just kind of playing the same way. Um, we were lucky tonight where I knew that the Warriors didn't have it. They just were not making their shots or turning the ball over. Seth Curry got a little bit hot, so that's kind of scary, of course, but there is a time where you just could tell like this Warriors team was pretty exhausted. I feel like they couldn't get their shots to go down. Kelly Oubre, of course, didn't show up. So I was a little bit at ease tonight, not too worried because I thought they would have to pull this one out, but the Suns had to play ugly lineups. They had to play all their bench to get it done and they got it done. What did you think? Well, I I think, you know, when you talk about ugly lineups, they were different lineups. And yeah, I mean, I had it written down in my notes. At one point, mm-hmm. it's I, we had Langston, we had Etwan Moore, we had Abdel Nader, uh, Mikhail Bridges, and Frank Kaminsky. And I just put God help us. I was like, yes. are, are you kidding me? Like, this is what we've come to. Because again, even as we navigate this part of the schedule without Devin Booker, we're also without our backup point guard in Cameron Payne. And we're also without Dario Sarge, who essentially is our yep. backup five. He might be an undersized five, but he's an effective five. I was actually going through and I was looking at a lot of the plus minus numbers on and off the court when it comes to different players on the team. And Dario Sarch is one of the most valuable players when it comes to his offensive rating with the team on with him on the court versus the team off the court. Now, granted that's uh, due to this, the second team playing extremely well, but he's part of that second team typically. So having those guys out led to a lot of those ugly lineups, as you mentioned, yeah. but those ugly lineups became effective tonight. 
And I think it's, you know, we talked about it a little bit at the end of the podcast last night, but that travel after playing a late game in Oakland last night, winning, beating the Minnesota Timberwolves, but then having to fly to, uh, for their back-to-back for the Warriors, fly down to Phoenix. I'm not going to blame, obviously, the entire game on that. You know, the the Warriors are a team that, even though they came into this game ten and eight and, and number six overall in the uh, in the NBA or the Western Conference, they're a team that still has a lot of work to do, right? Yeah, they do. You saw. I think that's why the bench really thrived this game. There was a lot of cutting going on by the Suns. They kept moving Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. They tended to try to do that this game, but they weren't as successful as I had a hard time saying that. As successful as like a Nader. And I don't know. Was I a Nader hater last night? Someone put that in the comments. So I'm like, was I a Nader hater last night? Nader hater. It was a long night last night. I don't even know what was going on. Yeah. So don't hold me by those words, but him cutting. Uh, I love the way the bench play, especially Nader, because, you know, they have something to prove. He's getting the minutes because Monty likes him, so he has to go out there and prove it to Monty every night. You know, give me these minutes. And you got Galloway coming in. In his first three, it's like, okay, I guess he didn't want to play the last few games. I don't see any other reason why he wasn't in the game. He honestly is kind of like a sneaky good rebounder too. I mean, he looks a little bit like a Mario Stoudemire in the face, but I mean, Mario was not a good rebounder, so I guess that's not a bad that's a bad comparison. But he he can get those rebounds. I think he had a couple offensive rebounds tonight, or a, a couple tip passes and stuff to keep the offense on the floor. That was the things that the that you saw from our bench. So. Those are the things that are going to keep us winning these games with the guys out like Sarich you were talking about and Devin Booker. This is what we thought was going to happen last night, and we just had to wait one more night, but I'm feeling good. Yeah, I think all of Suns Nation is feeling good, and shout out to everybody who's in the chat watching along with us. It looks like a lot of you are having a good night. It's nice to see. We, yeah. We've got Buddy Boy 94 Let's fucking go, Suns. Uh, let's see what else we got. Yes, yes, yes. From Iris and Vlogs. Laced Bakes, Bacon XL. Great name. Laced Bacon. Let's go. I mean, uh, Alex Cole, we <laughs> let's live. Go. Let's go. Let's you know, go. they get you, you know, pumped up. Yeah. I mean, you get pumped up after these games. You know, Blaze Megatron, yeah. you know, LOL game, fellas, game. Nice win from Kenneth Payne, who's watching along on Facebook. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of good things to, to, analyze as you take a look at this game and there's still some areas of opportunity i wrote a piece today for brightsideofthesun.com talking about how the suns need to play like nader does so if you were a nader hater yesterday i definitely was on nader i came up with nader noel and then i realized after i tweeted out i'm like i've got stock on nader noel it's like nah, it's nader nation like I'm i'm the president ceo of nader nation right now because i was talking about him yesterday and not necessarily his skill set saying that he's somebody who has a sustainable skill set. If you put him in for 32 minutes a game, you're going to get Booker Jr. As somebody referenced in the chat, he's Booker <laughs> yeah. Jr. But yeah. it's, it's the style of play that he needs, or I'm sorry, that the Suns need to emulate. Yeah. And that's something that they did tonight. You saw a lot more cutting. You saw a lot less affinity for threes. The one time we started to fall in love in the th- with the three ball in the second quarter, as per usual, we give up a 10-point lead like it's nothing. And then... The third quarter happens. The fourth quarter happens. You're starting to see a little bit more of that flow to the offense. Cutting happens. It puts the defense in compromising situations. We're getting layups off of it. And the whole team started to adopt it. Mikael Bridges was doing a very good job with it. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, we'll talk about his game. I mean, a fantastic game. But that philosophy and that style of play of not relying on the three ball and trying to force the issue versus just count down until there's no time left on the clock Mm -hmm. and chuck up the ball – that was the answer tonight. And in that article that I wrote, my discovery was that the Suns shoot the most uh, baskets, 9.5 baskets a game, under four seconds left on the shot clock. And yeah. five of those are from three per game. Yeah. And that's most in the NBA. That shit needs to stop. We need to play it with a little bit more urgency. And you saw that tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing, that is kind of annoying. And a lot of it's the offense, especially Chris Paul, that he runs where he's wasting time on the clock and then you get off a bad shot. Especially if if there was one player on the court that doesn't know the player just ran it the wrong way, that takes up time too as well. And then you have to find something else and it always leads to a terrible shot. I, I hated seeing that, but it's a thing that we kind of have to adjust with Chris Paul. I think we just have to be more precise, just you know, keep things going on the offensive end to where we get in these offensive sets quicker. But I think once we get Booker back, I think it'll help out a lot too on that end. I was going to make another point too. The As I mute this 
add again. Okay, I'm gonna stop using ESPN. <laughs> I can't even hear myself talk. Um, points in the paint, though. I thought the Suns did a pretty good job, like you were saying, getting to the rim, and that helps a lot when you're playing a team where they don't really have an interior de- uh, defense in the Warriors. I mean, Wiseman's big, but he doesn't know where to be on the floor. He'll be just wandering around. He's very, very green for that position so you can do whatever you want with him i know that he didn't play too much against him but players were trying to abuse him and i think draymond is a little bit you have a fear in him but he can't do too much right now i feel like he's still trying to be one of the better defenders in the nba he might be past his prime a little bit but that was what the suns were doing tonight is getting to the rim because this team came off of the game last night in the Warriors. I know the Suns played at home, but you can just tell they were tired. So the things that the Suns were trying to do last night, they had the opportunity tonight to actually succeed because they were playing against a team that couldn't handle it. Last night, the Thunder, they could. They were putting a stop to it, but the Suns' second unit just kept attacking them. And I love to see that because I've never been against attacking the rim, even if you don't get the ball to go in and you're usually the Suns don't get the call, but there's a good chance you might get the call. And tonight they did that, and I loved it. And you look at the end game stats for the war, the Warriors, and they they emulate the Suns in some of those losses. They only shot eight total free throws this game because they weren't getting any of the calls down low. They didn't have uh, the points in the paint that the Suns yeah. did. They were outscored by twelve in the points in the paint. And to your point, James Wiseman, young, athletic, big, electric. I mean, those are some great adjectives to describe him. But you can add to those adjectives owned by Frank Kaminsky. Because Frank was owning him tonight. It was I, I, I hear, obviously, I listen to a lot of Bill Simmons. He's really on uh, James Weinsman's jock a lot, telling him about yeah. how, how potentially generational, yada, yada, yada. And he might be right, but at the same time, I don't necessarily see it. In the first mm-hmm. half, when I saw Frank Kaminsky turn and, and dribble on Weinsman and take him to the hole, like I'm like, hold on. He beat Weinsman off the dribble? Yeah. Okay, he might not be this all-encompassing force uh-huh. field of a human being that Bill Simmons is constantly talking about because Frank just dribbled by him and took it to the hole. So there's yeah, that. Yeah, Wiseman, he will have those wow plays, like those big dunks. Sometimes he'll surprise you with a little move here and there. That's why he's moved to the bench now. Basically, he just needs time to learn. There's a lot. Like I said, he's very green, very raw. So he's a player like the Suns would draft back in the long time ago and just try to put out there as a starter in the face oh, of the franchise. Mean, like Luckily, the guy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily, this guy actually has a chance to learn. So that's fun. But I like how he wasn't... I just like that he has a potential, but he's not that player yet. Because I was actually scared for some reason of him. I think after the Suns lose a game, you're just scared of any kind of possibility that might happen on the court. That's what I felt like with him coming to the game, even though I shouldn't have worried. Maybe I've been listening too much Bill Simmons, so you're probably right about that, right? Well, but, but one of the first plays where Wiseman came into the game, because he's coming off the bench, it's something that's heralded by the TNT guys, because that's who I was watching tonight. Is yeah, I, me too. Okay, so we were both watching the game on TNT, and they're talking about how Steve Kerr made the great adjustment of moving Wiseman to the bench and how in the couple games since then it's paid off. And then one of the first plays when he comes in, Aiton's on him. And he comes in, and you you truly see the size of James Wiseman when he stands next to DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton's a buff dude. He's not a yeah. thick dude, but he's buff. Wiseman's a thick dude. And what did he do? He stuck his ass right into DA's hip, backed him off on the first play. And then Ayton, when he went to do it again, Ayton pushed off of him and got a defensive foul. And mm. that's where, in that moment, I felt what you felt. I'm like, oh, shit. Is this going to be a night where he yeah. gets owned by James Wiseman? I'm like, please, dear Lord, no. But due to rotations and things of that nature, mm-hmm. they didn't really play against e- each other that much. And it ended up being Frank Kaminsky in there toying with him in different situations. He wasn't letting him get off the clean shots that he wanted. Frank it does a better job of using his body effectively, whereas DA just doesn't necessarily know how to do that consistently on defense. Where Frank, Kam- where uh, I'm sorry, where DeAndre Ayton is effective on defense is his shot deterrence and his, his, uh, the way that he can move his hips laterally. Whereas Frank, mm-hmm. it's like, if you're going to put a body on a guy, Frank can put the body on the guy. He might not necessarily be effective on the, you know, against like Nikola Jokic, you know, Jokic yeah. knows how to play those games, but you're going against a rookie <laughs> and he he made him look like a rookie. And that makes me happy. That I'm glad you brought up that guy's name, Jokic. Cause I was like, it's Frank, the next Jokic. I mean, young career, <laughs> right? No, he played, he, he made some passes. What are too. you drinking tonight? 
Actually, yeah. I actually haven't drank anything tonight. I'm... No, he he did make some great passes, though. You are right. He, he was trying to find the the wide open man, and I loved it. We didn't have a. I think there was one time we had him, Crowder, Cam Johnson, like all the forwards on the. It was all of them, and then someone else I forgot playing the point that shouldn't have been playing the point. And I wrote it down. I'm not going to look right now. Etwan Moore, yeah, there yeah. you go. And it was like Frank was out there playing the point guard. He was really looking for his teammates. I guess he just knew the mismatches and everything was going down, even the end one at the end of the game where he got that crazy shot to go in. Everything. He, this is the one Frank game this year. We might yes. get one maybe every month. Who knows? But no. we needed this one. You'll get one a year, and it was tonight. Okay, well, you we know? needed it tonight. We needed Dario's going to get the minutes moving forward. <laughs> Uh, Sticks will get a little bit more playing time as as Monty yeah. Williams tries to experiment with his lineups. This was the Frank Kaminsky game. I love uh, Nathan or Nathaniel Darius in the chat. Kaminsky watch tonight. Unfortunately, we don't have that queued up because we should do a uh, 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 Kaminsky watch. He had a great game, though. Cheers to yeah. Uncle Frank there. Um, one thing that we obviously have to bring up, uh, the and I noticed this as the game began, Chris Paul was initially being guarded by Kelly Oubre, which I thought was very yeah. fitting. Kelly Oubre obviously was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder as the Suns acquired Chris Paul. Subsequently, he was traded to the Golden State Warriors. When you think of Kelly Oubre, where does he rank on your love of former Suns list? Oh, he's up there. I mean, he's at least a top... Well, not like all-time greats, but just a guy that you really love to watch play and mm-hmm. just the energy he brings. Of course, it would be a top 20. At least, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Wow. Top 20. <laughs> well, you just put me on the spot to rank him. I'm like, I have no idea how to rank this guy, but I enjoyed watching him. All right, so, so here, here's here's where I put him, okay? I put him above TJ Warren. Like, I miss him more than TJ Warren. I enjoy watching him yeah. more than TJ because TJ's just a boring watch. He's a mid-range guy who kind of – does better uh, without him. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but he's still behind PJ Tucker and the ultimate I miss you guy, which is probably Ricky Rubio right now. Oh, number one. So he's in your top five. <laughs> I said well, top 20. I was going back years and years. And yeah, years I'm just talking about like currently right now in the oh, NBA. Okay. Like okay. he's three miles ahead of Marquise Chris. He's like a yeah. continent away from any of the Morris twins. But guys who are mm-hmm. who used to play for the Suns, who are currently in the NBA, Kelly Oubre is still up there because I have an affinity and and uh, respect for what Kelly Oubre did for this franchise. And we wouldn't be, I wouldn't have this jersey hanging up behind me if it wasn't Kelly Oubre. I mean, that's just a fact. So love Kelly, love to see him suffer too. And suffer did he in this game, coming back to Phoenix, his first appearance back in the Valley of the Sun, playing against the Valley Boys. His final stat line, four points, two personal fouls, one for 11 shooting from the field, 0 for 5 from the three-point line. Mm -hmm. He had four rebounds. He had one assist and one steal. You never want to see anybody have a bad performance Uh, unless they're playing you. So we can enjoy the fact that we played Kelly Oubre tonight and he played like dog shit. Yeah. I kind of felt bad in a way just because you can tell he was trying to get that first kiss off and he never got it off. Yes. I mean, his points were really, I mean the free throws and then that terrible little jump hook he had that barely went in. You can't really kiss the Suns from that one, like for that shot, but he shot like two threes right off the bat. I think he was trying to get going early and just blow that first kiss it never came. I kind of felt bad. And then one play where he just slipped and hit his butt, landed yeah. right on his back. And then the Suns went down to hit a three. And like that was when the game was turning. And we were just taking the lead and running with it. I, I felt bad for him. I mean, I still love Kelly. It would have sucked, though, if he would have went off. And then you don't have Booker to back us up, which was scoring. But I don't know. It well, was we, tough to watch him. A we bit. avoided Yes, and I think that's very valuable, and that's one of the things we talked about coming into this game. Would this be the Kelly Oubre revenge game? As Kenneth yeah. Payne says, you know, Oubre, I thought, may kill us, and strange that he didn't. Is it really strange, though? I mean, that was kind of the yeah. MO for Kelly last year. He did score 18 points a game, but he was a black hole on offense. He wasn't a playmaker. He's somebody who would try to take over, and he was clutch when we needed him to be clutch, and I will always value that about Kelly Oubre. But there were times in the game you go, what the hell was that? And I'm sure Warriors fans who were watching tonight were had a lot of that. What the hell was that moments with Kelly tonight? 
Yeah, especially when he's playing his old team, he wants to try to impress, and he goes away from the game plan. He's been that way a lot for the Warriors this year. He's kind of picked it up a little bit. His shooting is a little bit better, of course, especially from downtown. It's improved a tiny bit. I think it's 12% now, which is great. It was 5%. But he honestly, he he's just looking to impress and improve himself at the same time on the court, and he he's really trying to find himself again. A lot of people are calling him a great player just trying to work it out. But I think he's putting himself too high on that list of the greats to play for the Warriors already, where he just needs to earn a spot as a decent player right now because he needs to make a difference on that team for them to actually have a chance to make the playoffs. And he's not doing it the right way right now on the court. Absolutely. They need some consistency from him. And he's been consistently bad thus far to really start yeah. the season. Uh, Steph Curry, 27 points, man. 10 for 20 from the field, 5 for 10 from downtown. Didn't mm-hmm. really feel like 27 from Steph. And that's the thing you no. got to remember about him. You know, he is a point ninja. All of a sudden you look up and I was like, whoa, he's got 27. And, you know, like the beginning of the fourth. Wow. That's rather shocking. Yeah, it's shocking too. He played 31 minutes. I just don't remember. Too, I know he made, he went on some streaks where he got a couple in a row here and there, but he's just so efficient and so good, but it's hard for him. Let me get this out of the way. And I'm sorry, my camera is zooming. It's like an auto zoom camera. So it looks like a heartbeat right now because it's uh. trying to get this stuff in the background. I got to work this whole thing out still. John sits there with like just the best background, doesn't have to do anything. I'm just trying to make this look good. And look, I don't know. But, anyways, <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. But yeah, Steph, he actually does, he does do a good job at, um, I was just going to say, he does do a good job at scoring. All right, you go next, John. <laughs> I can't, he does a, he does a good job. He, he does a good job at scoring. Is there anybody who hates Steph Curry? LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. That's I mean, outside of LeBron, it, he's really a hard guy to hate. He's fun to watch. I mean, when you see him navigate the lane and do the things that he does, I've always been a Steph Curry fan. I think that he gives hope for a lot of people. It's like, listen, you don't have to be seven foot one to be a dominant force in this league. You can be six feet. You can be six foot three, whatever he is. Um, and you can be effective. And I think that that is something that is valuable. And it's, again, it's fun to watch. It's even more fun to watch when it comes at, in a win for the Suns, because we have been in those games where Steph goes off, uh, but he doesn't have a sidekick clay right now. And I think that sidekick clay, um, that's hard to say sidekick clay. Um, God, we're both having a hard time speaking tonight. We're just so excited to be winning. Um, but again, he, he's somebody who's fun to watch. He was clearly the, the only really offense consistently that they had outside of his 27 points. You had Andrew Wiggins had 16 points, which was a very quiet 16. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh Pascal had 12 and that was like yeah. four or eight of those were in a uh, two minute span and yep. just hitting that, that clicky uh, jump shot that he has. So it wasn't really an effective uh, offensive set put forth by the Warriors tonight. Overall, they shot 38% from the field and 28.9% from downtown. And again, only six for eight from the free throw line. So we've gotten them out of the way. Is there, is there anything else you want to talk about as it pertains to the Warriors? I don't. You know, going into this game, I really thought it was going to be tough. And I thought that this, the Sun, I picked them to win, but I thought it'd be tough just because this is a team record-wise that are up there with the Suns, but they shouldn't be. And um, I'm just glad that we got this win. But there's, there's a way, there's a, there's a time and place where the Suns and Warriors will eventually meet each other in the playoffs. When Clay Thompson comes back, another guy that I love and I can't dislike for some reason, mm-hmm. one of the, the ballsiest players ever. When he comes back and the Suns in the future will meet each other in the playoffs, that's going to be scary then. Yeah, that's a he's a fantastic talent, and it's unfortunate yeah. for the Golden State Warrior fans to be excited to get him back and have him go down with that Achilles injury it's unfortunate but you know we'll talk about the suns now because we can only control what we control and i've got so much to talk about on this team unbelievable night across the board you know one of the frustrations last night obviously losing to oklahoma city in the fashion that we did being up 17 points and then blowing that lead and then truly struggling to fight scratch and claw to stay in the game against a team that had subpar talent it eventually just became the chris paul show because nobody else could do every anything we yeah. talked about it last night everybody was standing around they were watching there was no cutting there was no activeness on offense you, then you take a look at tonight's box score and you have a total of seven players who scored in double figures crowder 16 cam johnson 13 you had deandre Ayton 12 
Chris Paul, 13. Frank Kaminsky, 12. 16 from Nader. And Mikel Bridges leading all scorers, going 6 for 10 from the field and scoring 20 points tonight. Yeah. And and what I find value in, in the stat line for Mikel Bridges is exactly what I've been talking about. And again, referencing the article I wrote today for Brightside, is we need to attack the rim. We need to cut. We need to do these things that put the defense in compromising mm-hmm. situations. He only shot four of three-pointers. So he was six for 10 from the field, but he essentially was five for six on non three pointers because he was one four from downtown. It's, it's effectiveness. It's, it's taking the ball to the rim. It's, it's doing those things that stop runs that don't let the team, when they, if they score two baskets in a row, you're going back and responding, not letting them score three baskets in a row leading to a run. And ultimately the Suns did have those stretches that we want where they shoot the ball from downtown. Well, they ended up shooting uh, what, 11 for 32 from downtown. I yeah. mean, not great per se. Uh-huh. It is still a 34% uh, shot percentage, but you want to see more of that, those stat lines, the 11 for 32s versus like the 15 for 52s, right? No, you want to see that. Yeah. But there's a thing where Mikel, he'll, he'll still jack up threes even when covered. And there's just something with the hesitation he doesn't want to bring to the defender where he can just get past him and go. Cause once he gets to the rim and once he's going, like no one can stop him. He, mm-hmm. he has to just know that every time I don't mind him shooting threes. I'm just always, he's like the new, no, 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 no. Yes. Guy for me when shooting threes, mm-hmm. because I just, I still, I mean, he, he has fixed his shot a lot. I'm not bashing McKill at all right now. I'm just saying the way he shoots the ball, I just, I'm not comfortable with it still. I know he's fixed it and his percentage is better, but there's just something with, I want him to take it to the rim a lot more to get in a groove. I'm like Eddie Johnson over here. I'm like, get to the rim, then start shooting threes. I just don't like him selling for threes too much. And you can kind of see Cam Johnson tonight too, having a hard time handling the ball too when driving to the hoop. He needs to get better with that. But him going three for eight tonight, yeah, three for eight on threes was pretty great for Cam. I think he needs a few games where he can go maybe four for seven or, you know, go five for seven, something like that to really get into a groove and see if he can go and be more consistent from three game to game to game because we just can't count on him right now to have those consistent games. But another thing that I think he'll probably add next year is just getting to the rim. That is Cam Johnson, um, which he'll learn from Mikhail. Those two, I just think when they're on the court together, they should be coming at every, every side of the court, you know, just cutting to the basket taking the ball, moving to the rim, dishing it out, stuff like that. I want to see more of between those two. But, I, yeah, great game. <laughs> I, I, I agree, though. I mean, Cam Johnson in last night's game was two for three from downtown. And I think we both agree that, one, he's been starting, so he should have more opportunities to do so. But, two, he needs to take those shots. Yeah. He needs to be your guy who's shooting a ton of threes. Not necessarily like last night, Jay Crowder shooting 11. Maybe about four of those shots can go over to Cam. Now they're both shooting about you know five to eight threes from Crowder, five to eight threes from Johnson. That's effective. And then talking about the cutting for both Johnson and Bridges, I agree with that too. If they're cutting and then coming off of back screens, maybe they curl around and then they catch that ball behind the three-point line and they catch it rhythm, they shoot, and they make it. A mm-hmm. lot of these stationary threes aren't necessarily the answer in a stagnant offense. And what you saw tonight was coaching adjustments by Monty. And I was very vocal last night in my disdain for how the team had been coached, how the the lack of adjustments had been made, how the team wasn't taking timeouts at the proper time and letting momentum, although it not be a, a statistic, let momentum still occur for the other team and be dissuaded by for the Suns. So I think that it was valuable to see adjustments occur and them actually translate to the court. I mean, they had a 12-0 run. They had a 9-0 run. They had those stretches where they fell in love with the three ball, but they also knew it wasn't sustainable. As part of those runs, they were also taking the ball to the rim and doing those things that allow for runs to happen and conversely to negate runs from the other team. It's just it's it's nice to see Monty make that adjustment because that's been one of my big uh-oh, what the hell's going on this this year kind of moments yeah. is seeing those lack of adjustments. Yes, that sigh had nothing to do with you. I was just trying to adjust myself. Sorry. Another adjustment right there. <laughs> exactly, man. Just like Monty. I was actually worried about coming out of timeouts in the half to see what kind of adjustments they would make. But a lot of it, I felt like, was just the team looked like they were ready to play defense. Second unit was really locked down. They were cutting off any kind of like uh, 
any kind of cutting that Golden State was trying to do, and they're cutting those passes off towards the end of the game in the second half, which you want to see because it's a consistency that you're not seeing on the defensive end, what killed us, you know, the last few games. And I, I think that they're a little bit scared too. I think Monty's last press conference, I know yesterday I said, I'm like, I don't care what they say after the game. It doesn't matter. But that press conference he had yesterday after the game where he basically just called out the team, just saying no consistency. What do we, I, that's my number one word I always use for them winning. It's just a consistency. And he, he, I think he brought in that interview and the team brought it on the court. I think they were a little bit scared. You know, they don't want to win, lose four in a row and just, you know, be below 500. And then Booker just walks out. Kendall Jenner's outside to pick him up and they just leave. You don't want that. <laughs> they drive off into the sunset together and the Suns are 0-4 in those games. Yeah, we don't yeah. need that for sure. Uh, it, it is, again, nice to see that the Phoenix Suns can win these games knowing how down we were. And th- yeah. it was nice to win a game again, I, I mentioned it before, but handily. Ever s- the last time we did this was against the Pelicans early in the year. It was nice to have one where we actually handily beat the other team. One thing that we did see this game was an Etwan Moore sighting for more yeah. than like five minutes. And I will ask you this. Do you, do you think mm-hmm. he's kind of like a mini Sarich in that he just kind of has a hard time making layups? Like he got them to fall in the second half. His end line is he had the two points, but he was one for six from the field. And a lot of those were in, in interior shots. He was 0 for 1 from downtown. But he could get to the rim and he just missed the layup. I'm like, this guy's like a little Sarich. <laughs> yeah, anytime someone misses a layup, I always just think they're just Sariching it out there, you know? Sriracha. Sriracha Sarich. Too spicy for the rim. I don't know what it is, but that's the way they play. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why um, you were thinking about that. It's funny you are, but I always thought Etwan Moore was just going to be a shooter. I mean, what they're asking for him to do, especially with limited minutes this year, it, it's too much right now. He needs to get more minutes throughout the season sporadic. So when these situations do come up, he's a little bit more comfortable maybe when Booker and who else you, who else is going to be out. You know what I mean? Like he'll be the third guy to be your point guard behind campaign. So I think he just needs to get a little bit more minutes, especially if it's a blowout, which the Suns are having a hard time doing that with sucky teams this year, which I think a lot of the NBA teams are right now. It's a very, very weird standings and, you know, it's all over the place. So for them to actually get blowouts going into the fourth and have him come in to get a little bit used to the system, run some plays like that, I think he'll do better. But it was nice to see him out there. And it was nice to see Galloway too. So those two were, I think, were just very important tonight. Even though he couldn't make a layup, he, I think he tried his hardest. <laughs> well, well, of course he tried his hardest, just like Dario does. That's why yeah, each exactly. one more is like mini Sarge until he proves me otherwise. The difference though is Sarge can actually play make with the ball. Etwan Moore isn't necessarily a playmaker. Like you said, I thought his role would mirror Langston Galloway's, but he was playing a lot more point in those limited minutes that he did have. I mean, he ended up playing a total of 21 minutes, but he was out there trying to play make. He did have two assists on the game, but I thought his role would mirror Langston Galloway. And what's interesting is in this game, you had Etwan Moore and you had Langston Galloway. One minute difference in between the time that they played, whereas Moore went two points on one for six shooting and had two assists. You had Langston Galloway, eight points off three of five shooting. So very efficient, five rebounds, three assists. Langston Galloway, get this guy the ball more, get him in the game yes. more. I think we all want to see it. It was a rare sighting this evening. We actually saw him play yes. in the second half. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised with that. Cause I mean, normally he comes out and he puts in his minutes in the first half and he had eight minutes in the first half. And I was like, okay, that's probably all we'll see. That's kind of money. He'll put him in maybe two or three minutes for a sporadic little jump in the third, if we're lucky. And we got 12 more minutes out of Langston Galloway. I absolutely love this guy. And I think that he's somebody who, garners minutes and earns opportunities for this team and it's something that we always kind of complain about in losses it's like listen we're having a hard time scoring bringing links and galloway the guy's an instant flamethrower man i mean even going one for three it's not really what you want from your instant flamethrower you want maybe more threes him going 50 percent, something like that but he does a lot of little things that like i said the sneaky rebound the five rebounds but a lot of the rebounds and like him poking the ball away and stuff like that they come at crucial times like he's always very very active around the court he does so much more than just just standing up straight and shooting the three with a quick release he helps the suns a lot on different ends of the court so i want to see more of him too i just don't know when Booker comes back, where his minutes going to go to? Because Nader looked really good too. And then I was just talking about Etwan Moore getting some minutes maybe. But now when you got Nader playing this well, and then Galloway, who we've always loved the whole season, then you got to split those minutes up effectively. I think 
hopefully Monty does do that because I want to see that. I want to see him consistently coming out every game. I completely agree. And we have some, you know, Nathaniel in the chat. Why didn't Monty not use him more in other games? That's the question. I mean, we were asking that last night. It's like, did he hook up with Monty's daughter or something? Like he, what, what does Monty have against Langston Galloway? We really don't know. But when, (laughs) when he plays, he plays well and he's efficient, he's effective. And although he's not necessarily a great defender, you're not bringing him in for those reasons. That's why you have those long wings. They can assist on the, the defensive side of the ball and hopefully open him up for some shots. So great game by him. I think it is that time of the podcast where we talk about everybody's favorite Phoenix Sun. Let's see where boom here it is. Ayton Watch 2021. So DeAndre Ayton, final stat line on this evening: 12 points, 13 rebounds, five for seven from the field. He also added in four assists. Did have five turnovers, but the beautiful thing is all that happened in only 23 minutes. He only played seven minutes in the second half, Matthew. Yeah. Thoughts on Aiton in this game? It looked like he's kind of like shedding his skin off a little bit from last last game, last night, because he was kind of in between last night's game and kind of getting into the three or four previous games where he actually showed like he'd give a crap, give a crap. And he he came out, he looked like he was very interested in this game. The only thing that bugs me is there's still issues with him and Chris Paul. He's not getting the ball quickly. Chris Paul would rather just dribble the ball like 10 minutes or 10, I'm sorry, 10 seconds before he decides whether or not he's going to shoot his jump shot or just pass the ball to eight and turn the ball over. That didn't happen tonight, passing the ball to eight. Cause I don't think he ever passed the ball besides a couple lobs, but Aiden needs to get the ball. I wanted Aiden to really just say, give me the ball, like raise your arms, like he was in those four games where he's just like, give me the freaking ball. All right. Mm-hmm. For me with Chris Paul being the only point guard we have right now, I want to Aiden kind of be that on the offense. I thought he had a chance today to kind of be our point center in a way to run more plays, to do stuff comfortably. Um, I know we had to have this win, so I, you can't really experiment with that too much, but I, I feel like he can be that guy, not like as good as Jokic, maybe, yeah, or anything like that, but he's such a good passer. I feel like he can really be the center of the offense, and I wanted to see that more tonight, but he gave an okay effort, man. I actually, I wrote like uh, Aiden um, body language thing for Brightside. It's basically just all game what I saw from him body language wise, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that great. It was basically just like he's there. He knows it's a simple, easy game, kind of like last night. But he wasn't just giving the effort at all, like just the intensity. Which I mean, what did you think? How, how did you did you think he did a good tonight? Have I a think, good game. Oh, I think okay is the correct response here. I mean, he was yeah. rebounding the ball at will. The team overall rebounded at will against the Warriors tonight. 58 total rebounds to 47. So we owned the glass, and he did. He had 13 rebounds for those offensive, and it was that's where he was exerting a lot of his energy. Only yeah. 12 points, five for seven from the field. Again, it's it's a shot thing. If Aiden's getting up 18 shots a game, imagine what his point totals would be. But it, it comes from a, def, a couple different things. One, when the pick and roll does happen, you're right. Chris Paul can be lackadaisical in trying to effectively get him the ball. But Aiton's pretty lackadaisical on the roll sometimes too. Now, there were a few times in this game where I saw, and he did a hard roll, and Chris Paul just didn't get him the ball at the right time. He was mid-dribble, and by the end, or it was in the wrong hand, and by the time he got mm-hmm. he dribbled it over to this hand, that window was closed. The other thing is the Suns are absolutely horrible at entry passes. You have Cam Johnson, you got... Mikael Bridges, everybody's trying to lob the ball into him, and they they send it too high or, or it's too flat or it's too late. And I wonder if the Suns ever actually practice doing lob passes in practice. It's something that they should probably work on. It's like, listen, you don't have to yeah. – the guy's a big guy. Just put it up near the rim. He'll grab it and put it in real quick. You don't. Have, it doesn't need to be like down here and he needs to bring it up. I mean, so I've, it's a combination of things when it comes to Aiden. Again, I, I'm still – I'm always – I'm an Aiden apologer. I love the guy. Yeah. I think there's so much room for opportunity for him to grow. And I love to see games like this and we win versus games where he's dominating. We lose like at the end of the day, I want wins, baby. So whatever it takes to win, that's what I'm about. But watching how he cares about uh, rebounding the ball. That's one thing that I it has annoys me at times with, with him is when he's already sprinting back on defense because he's not even, he's not even trying to get an offensive yeah. board and things of that Good nature. Job. So, and, and I, yeah, and that's something that I, you know, he is start, starting to 
focus in a little bit on. But again, yeah, it's an average performance. Not nearly as bad as last yeah. night. Not nearly as great as two games ago. And that's what you're going to get with a third-year player who is a center in the league who is still trying to figure it all out. Um, again, I was talking about a little bit on the last podcast. Thinking Basketball is a great YouTube channel, and they're going through the greatest peaks of all time through some of the greatest players. And I got through Shaq today, and it starts all the way back in 1977 with Bill Walton, and it goes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They've got Elijah Juan. They've got uh, David Robinson. And as I watch all these different centers and see what makes them effective, and I highly recommend, go to Thinking Basketball on YouTube, check it out. They're like 20-minute videos about some of the greatest players. But a lot of the greatest players in the game ever prior to this decade were centers. And as you look at what their skill sets and what made them effective, you can see where DeAndre Ayton has a lot of opportunity. Watching Hakeem Olajuwon, watching David Robinson, those are guys that he could be like because he has the physical stature to do it. But he doesn't necessarily have the technical skills yet to be effective on offense. His defense is coming along. It's still not nearly as great. But if he wants to be effective on offense, he needs to, he needs to sit down and watch Thinking Basketball on YouTube and figure this shit out because technically he's got a long way to go. Yeah, he does. And it, it, it's going to bring to question really what kind of player he's going to be really in the post. Is he going to be like the guys you brought up or is he going to be like Giannis where they're trying to make Giannis into something he's not kind of, you know, these unicorns yeah. too, where they're Bill Simmons was talking about it. Like he, he needs to make sure that he's working on this game in the right way. I think he has a turnaround down the three pointer, just more of those. I think he has that good shot still. But just like the little dumps over the guys where he's bringing the ball down still around mm-hmm. the defenders. And that's that's a no-go unless no one's in front of you, which you can never count on because there's little dudes around your knees the whole game. So you got to really w- watch out for that. So keep the ball high. But we'll see where he puts his energy into um, this next offseason, I really think, to to improve. I mean, there's not a whole lot, lot of time, of course, during the season ever to improve on anything. So he just needs to keep up the defense, the rebounding, offensive rebounding is just huge for him. I think when he does stay under the basket, like you were saying, when he's just sprinting back to try to get back on defense, that's that's no good. I, th- I like him staying underneath the basket to see if he can get that put back in, especially when he's the biggest guy on the floor, which he was tonight really most of yeah. the game. Yeah, most of the game. And, you know, based off of that, he could have been a lot better and he just wasn't yeah. tonight. So, but again, that's kind of the, like I said, that's the peaks and valleys of DeAndre. Ayton. that's why we have eight and watch on the Suns Jam Session podcast, because you, you never know what you're going to get from the guy. He's like a mm-hmm. box of chocolates. Um, <laughs> a couple other things we want to talk about real quick. Uh, reminding everybody, if you are watching along, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. We truly appreciate that. Um, See, oh, one more thing on uh, Langston Galloway. He should he be used like JJ Redick? Oh, uh, just like off screens and stuff. Off screens, what? hustling because he's fast, man. And he's got no, that he quick is, release. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're just bringing him in right now just to get something going, even though he hasn't really played. But yeah, they should work him more into the offense, especially with the second unit. I think if everybody can still stay healthy, then they can have the opportunity. But right now, I kind of like what he's doing. He's kind of just a free roamer out there, and then he'll he'll get to his spots for three quick. But he'll do a lot of little things. So I love that dude. I love this guy. I don't know. I don't want to ever see him on the bench all game ever again. Yeah, get this guy twenty had minutes a game. To say about him ever. Even when he like missed almost every three one game, I think he hit like one. I don't care. They're all great shots. Yeah, they're they're great shots. Uh, they're a lot better than the Jay Crowder threes. I feel more confident with them. It's great when yeah. Jay has one go in, but like when Langston lets it go, you're like that's going in. And when it's not, you're actually that's surprised. It. Yeah. No, you're totally right. All right, it's that time. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Matthew. <laughs> this is a tough one. This is a tough yeah. one. In my opinion, and, and we really haven't talked about CP3 that much. I don't feel like there is much to talk about. He killed it last night. He was a little bit tired tonight. I don't think he qualifies for our jam star of the game. If you are watching along live, please tell us who you think the jam star of the game is. It might be Dave King who just joined the chat. You know, welcome aboard. Dave, you're our jam star of the game. But Matthew, who is your jam star of this game against the Warriors tonight? Oh, man, it's the guy who told Aiden to like, hey, I got this. You know, stay on the bench, keep clapping, and uh, I I can take care of business. Frank Kaminsky, I honestly, he turned the game around. He was so efficient passing the ball, getting the boards, being a big body, scoring in every way, hitting threes. He seriously just kept the bench or kept the starters on the bench. And I wanted to see that. I wanted this game to end that way. He did it. I think he nailed it down. I mean, who else could you choose, John? 
other than Frank? Well, I'm a, I, I'm the present CEO of Nader Nation over here. Like, there you go. I really enjoyed watching Abdel Nader play tonight. I'm a Nader hater, you're a Nader hater. So, but you know, as Dave says in the chat, like we live in a world where the Suns broke their losing streak behind the stars Nader and Kaminsky. That's what happened tonight. The way that they effectively closed out that middle to end of the the fourth quarter was what the team needed. They dictated the offense. Frank wasn't always pretty, but his final stat line tonight, 12 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists. He was two assists away from a triple-double off the bench. Frank Kaminsky, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, what's going on? Seriously. Player of the Week nominee. What if he wins Player of the Week before Aiden? Oh, the irony, the irony. So as I as I look in the chat and I see what everybody's saying, I'll give everybody a, a, a shout out for who they're they're picking for their jam star of the game. We've got Nader from Code JJM. That sounds like uh, one of those new um, stocks I need to invest in. Invest in JJM. It's going to jump to $400. <laughs> you got Ken Kaplan. Frank the Tank is the jam star. Dave mm-hmm. gives it to Frank. We got FTT. I think that means Frank uh, Kaminsky with an honorable mention to Ubre. That is a good point. Honorable mention. We got yeah, sure. Darth, Darth Nader uh, made an AZ Frank player of the game. Nader Ubre again. Uh, it's. I mean, it, it's all over the place. It, it, it's got to be Frank. You know, uh, Ross Rogers has been on the yeah. show. We got one for Nader. So another one for Nader. Another one for Nader. Um, so it's that's they just like crazy about this like game though. Huh? That, but that's what's crazy about this game is the jam star of the game is one of two players off the bench. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I feel like it's been that way a lot, though, this year. Even when we had all the starters in, we loved our bench way more. And then Cam moved and everything got effed up. You know what I mean? We love Cam. I miss the old Cam Johnson coming off the bench a lot more than what he's doing now because his game has just seems so different starting. Um, I know he has no option now. There's We can't worry about that right now, but they have to put him back on the bench. Yeah, I think that that's a conversation that might be merited for another day, but I do agree. I like cam kind of coming off the bench a little bit more, but unfortunately due to injuries right now, there is no other choice. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Shadell. Now Mikhail had the best two way game. Uh, that's another guy. I mean, he was our leading scorer, 20 points. And what I love about Mikhail, Sam Frey from the free throw line, again, forcing the issue, getting to the line, putting the team in situations in which we could be successful by scoring free points, 21 for 23 from the free throw line. I mean, those are the kind of numbers you, that you want to see. He had five assists. He had two steals, only the one rebound for Mikhail, but that's just because Frank Kaminsky and DeAndre were gobbling them up the whole game. So definitely, I, I think it's got to be co-jam stars. I think it's got to be Frank and Nader tonight, man. I mean, in like Dave said, like the weird universe we live in, that's the reality right now. And I'll take it because you know what? W, we got the win tonight, man. Freighters. The freighter brought it home tonight, dude. Freighter Nation. Freighter, freighter Nation. Nation. <laughs> freighter. I think of Mitch when I think Freighter Nation. I don't like that. Oh. All right. Up next, the Suns are playing on Saturday, 7 p.m. against the Mavericks in Dallas. So if you're planning on going on a date night on Saturday, cancel those plans unless they involve a bottle of wine, sitting at home and watching your Phoenix Suns go up against Luka Doncic, Chris Stops Porzingis, and the Dallas Mavericks. Matthew, as we get ready mm-hmm. for one of our favorite new rivalries ever since 2018, what are you looking for in this game? Oh, man, John, I'm looking for a lot. I'm looking for a lot of Mikel Bridges on Doncic. You know, that's what I always look for when the Suns play the Mavericks. I mean, we don't, we're probably not going to have Booker again, obviously, right? He's not going to well, be back. He might be back. You hope. He you might hope. be. But I feel like the Suns have the Mavericks. They, they, they own the Mavericks. Uh, of course, now that I'm saying this, they're going to lose both games. But the Mavericks right now, they're they're a tough team to watch. And the reason really, I kind of saw it last year. It's just Chris Stops, of course, is always injured. But his fit really with the team, I sound like I'm I sound like the ringer podcast today. Cause like every time I'm saying my thought, it's something they say. I swear it's my thought too. But the whole Porzingis <laughs> thing, it's it's tough to watch because there's not really a lot of supporting cast around Doncic, of course. Doncic to us is over always overrated. But I think it's really up to just Mikhail Bridges handling Doncic as much as he can in this game and letting the rest of the defense play the way they played tonight, especially the second unit. Um, I, I do expect a great game. I, I like 
every time we play the Mavericks, but we come up on top. And I think we have an edge over the Mavericks right now. I'm not too worried, but now that I'm saying that, I feel like maybe it won't go the way I think. But what do you think, man? Well, it's a, it's a team, obviously, we get excited for, for that reason. You know, there, there's the narrative there. They're a division rival, or not a division, a conference rival. We've already beat them once this year. We beat them on the opening night of the season. And they're a team right now that's struggling. They're two for their last eight games. So they're two and six in their last eight. They're going to play to, or what? No, they play tomorrow against the Jazz, a team that they lost to last night. So they play tomorrow against the Jazz. And then the next night, they play the Suns. And they'll be traveling from Utah back home to Dallas to play the Suns. So they're coming off against a back of off a of back of back against the top team in the West right now, shockingly, which is your the Utah Jazz, who I believe are 12 and four. And yeah. one of those four losses was to the Phoenix Suns. So they're a team that's kind of in disarray right now. And that always scares me because, again, playing to the level of the competition, this is one of those games where it's like, well, everything tells me that we should beat this team. So is this going to be the game that we don't win? It's the first game of a back to back against the Dallas Mavericks, albeit on. Uh, is it back-to-back nights? I don't no, think so. I think no, it's, it's Saturday, Saturday Monday. Monday. Yeah, Saturday yeah. Monday. So yeah. we'll have kind of yeah, we'll have a respite in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, not that's for us. It's like I want to watch a game where these guys get some rest in between. You know? Yes. It's a better matchup. No, yeah. actually, Eddie Johnson would tell you it's better on the on the back-to-back second night. Yeah, more rhythm. Know, more rhythm. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But I mean, so what? What do you look for? Yes, I think Mikael Bridges on Luca is always the story that Suns fans look at. Uh, nationally, it's just more of Luca and Booker. You know, they look at the two stars and say who's going to have the better game, yada yada. And I'm just hoping that the Suns kind of keep it rolling, keep this uh, the coaching adjustments that they took and and run with them. The the thing that always scares me is our frontline depth when we play against the Mavs because Luca does that. He's going to attack Aiton. He's going to attack yep. whoever is down on the block and try to draw those fouls via foul baiting. So you have to be disciplined in the way that you approach him defensively and hope that Dario's back, throw sticks out there to get four fouls maybe just to kind of not waste those on Aiton so he can come up big late in the game. Uh, Aiton statistically in his career playing against the Dallas Mavericks, uh, seven games, I believe those are seven wins. There might be just one where he's not. His defensive rating is 99 against the Mavericks. It's his second best performance from a defensive rating, so he gets up for it. Uh, 13 and 3, or, or I'm sorry, 13.3 and 7.7 rebounds per game against Dallas. So he really focuses kind of on the defensive end. He's not going to be have monster offensive performances like he does against the Denver Nuggets. But again, it's something that I'm excited for, as I'm sure all Suns fans are. I think it's time to go ahead and predict who's going to win this game. It's one of those new things we just started doing recently where we've tried to predict who's going to win. Currently on the season, I am 0-2. And Matthew, you are 1-1 and as you predicted the Suns winning tonight against the Warriors. I predicted a loss, therefore I'm 0-2. So Matthew, seen as you're 1-1 on one on the season, who wins the game against Dallas on Saturday? And eh, throw me a final score there. <sighs> Let me think. Uh, I was rubbing something. Let me think, John. Okay, so I, think, I actually think Dave just pointed out that they have all their COVID guys back. Dallas Mavericks. So if that's the case, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to actually pick the Suns. I think uh, Doncic is scared of the Suns. Uh, he wishes that we would have drafted him and he's very upset about it. And he thinks Satan's better than him. So I'm going to pick the Suns to win. It's going to be 110 to 102. And uh, I think DeAndre has a big game offensively. I think that this game after the last game he did terrible in, it's kind of just a step back into the right direction a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking big numbers for Maiden. And I'm looking at Booker coming in and giving us a technical foul after the end of the game to actually help us win. So <laughs> anyways, what do you got going on? Well, it's What's tough up? because I think about it. The Suns have had, what, like four back-to-backs? Although this one isn't technically a back-to-back, I believe this will be the fourth one on the season, if that's the case. Yeah. or maybe, maybe it's the fifth one, but at this point, I think we're one and two or one and three in, in the first game of back-to-backs. So that's not a good track record thus far this season. But I also think that they're going to win. I think that they're even though they they're going to have they're going to be at full strength. Hopefully Sarge is back. Hopefully Booker's back. Just Sarge at least, right? Yeah, just Sarge at least. You know, having him back is absolutely huge for this team. We've seen it. We see it with the advanced metrics, things of that nature. So if that's the case, I think the Suns get a W here. I really do. I think that Dallas is going to be coming in 
after another loss to Utah on Friday. And even if they win that game, that travel right into a game against the Suns, a team that's going to definitely be up for them. You know, if you want to say that play to the level of the competition, the Suns are going to do that. And I don't care if you look at the standings right now and you see that the Dallas Mavericks are currently the 12th seed and the Suns with the win tonight have moved into back into the seventh seed with the nine and eight record. Uh, why Dallas is currently eight and 10. They're back at full strength. They're going to be ready to play. And the Suns know that they're going to come out. They're going to bring it. So uh, I think we both predict a win. You said 110 to 102, although we're not going to keep necessarily track of our scores. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say 103 to 97 Suns win over the Mavericks on Saturday. So there you go. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We're in good moods now. All right. Yes. Until um, Saturday. <laughs> yes. Life, is, life, life is good for the. What up, fellas? Beautiful face. Come back. Just come back. Stop doing this crap where you're out these yeah, games every season. Just come on. Stop trying to hustle too much. Just do it more politely and save your body the harm, please. Yeah. We miss you, book. Come back. We miss book. you. What do you think of Javon Carter losing all of his minutes tonight until the very end, yet being up the entire time Dude. and cheering on his teammates? Man, how do you not love Javon Carter? No, I, I love him. I just uh, so how could how could you not? Maybe how could you not? I mean, what do you mean, like giving up his minutes and being okay with it? Because mm-hmm. he honestly, yeah, because when these guys start losing minutes, like Galloway did, it's like, is he hurt? Is something going on? Because I just don't. Is there something I'm not seeing or we don't know? Of course, there probably is. But Carter was the same thing, and I'm like, where's Javon Carter? Especially when the Suns were having a hard time there in the first half. I'm like, put in Carter, but why? I mean, he's just another three point shooter. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. He yesterday's game, he actually helped out. They showed him like motivating the team, coming out of timeouts and stuff like that. So he's always going to be the good bench role player, whether he gets minutes or not. He's always just the good guy to have on the bench. So he's worth that with his contract, really. I think. Yeah, I absolutely do. That's the kind of guy who fills out your bench, who stays motivated. Those are the things that equate to wins and just a winning culture, not necessarily wins on the court, obviously, because he's not contributing. And, but it's that winning culture. And that's where the Suns team is at. Even with the recent three game skid, we're back down to nine and eight. We got two against Dallas upcoming. Following that, let's see, let's pull up the schedule, even though it's wrong because of all the different postponements and such. But we have two against Dallas, and then we have New Orleans again, then we have the Pistons. So, I mean, if we could play well in those two Dallas games, potentially the New Orleans Pelicans and the Detroit Pistons should be dubs. So we could run off a five-game win streak real quick. And guess what? Everyone in the Suns Nation is is happy once again, and we're not as depressed, and we're not writing pieces about DeAndre Ayton's body language, and we need to play like Abdel Nader. That body, just joking. But I was going to ask you really quick. I know we're running out of time here. All-star games coming up. The voting's already started. What is? What do you think the percentage? We can go into a next pod, but the percentage that a son makes it. It's funny. The first thing I, I have for the I got to know, like one burning question for you, I was going to ask, but I just didn't find it appropriate yeah. in this game because it was Frank and Nader who carried the team. <laughs> I wrote all-star voting has happened. Will the Suns have an all-star this year? I don't know. I honestly if, don't think so. Yeah, if they can be 10 games above 500 somehow and then Booker comes back and Aiden continues, who knows, though, because I think Booker has a chance still. Maybe he's the only one. Yeah. But the Suns have to be like 10, 10 games above 500. And if Something they do, like if the Suns are 10 games above 500 and Dem Booker's still averaging 22 points and, and Aiden is averaging, you know, 15 yeah. and 14, it's going to be Chris Paul. It'll be just yeah. like the whole OKC thing. It's like the statistics aren't there, but the team's winning. Therefore, he's an all-star. So we'll see. That's obviously a long ways away, but it is something that's funny that we both brought that up because uh, I was thinking about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll talk about it later. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think that's all we have for this evening. Thank you again, Jamsters, for joining the Suns Jam Session podcast. Remember to follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you're listening on the Brightside Podcast Network, we appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, and review. If you are on on uh, the YouTube, the YouTuber right now, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell button, hit all the buttons, and you'll know when we go live, and you'll you'll join us, and we'll celebrate all the way to the NBA Finals, baby. And then if you want to, you can follow me on Darth Voida. I don't ever say anything interesting. But if you want somebody who says things less interesting to me, follow Matthew. You can follow him on Twitter. Yeah, just follow me because I don't say shit. John says a lot of stuff, and I like it all the time. (laughs) But you never retweet it, Matthew. My bad. I have no one to retweet it to. 
Everyone that follows me follows you, so they already <laughs> see it. <laughs> well, you you can follow him at Matthew Lissy. And again, thank you to everybody who decided to stay up late with us and talk about the Phoenix Suns. Again, Suns win tonight by a 21-point margin, 114 to 93 over the Golden State Warriors. And my beer's empty. My mystery beer is empty. So I'm done. Everyone have a great evening, and we'll see you on Saturday. Join us live right after that game. Have a good night, everybody. Everyone go home and love your family. <laughs>